This is First Contact, stories of the call center. Get ready to dial into the exciting world of call centers with First Contact, stories of the call center podcast. Join us as we share stories from industry leaders, explore the latest trends and technologies, and tackle the challenges and triumphs of the contact center landscape. Fasten your seatbelt for a high-energy journey brought to you by Nobel Biz, the one-stop shop for all your call center needs, both in software and service. All right. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of First Contact Stories of the Call Center. We're super excited to have Brad Cleveland here on the show. And look, for those of you who don't know Brad, Brad is really known globally as one of the foremost experts in customer strategy and management. And look, as a sought-after consultant and speaker, he has worked over in over 45 states, 60 countries, and he's included in companies like Apple, American Express, USAA, University of California, and many, many others. He's even advised governments, United States, Australia, Canada, so on and so forth. So we're super excited to have him here. And look, for those of you who haven't read Brad's book, he is the author of Leading the Customer Experience, How to Chart a Course and Deliver Outstanding Results. And I think you can, I can also say, Brad, one of the other things is your mission is to help organizations understand and thrive in the new era of customer experience. So with that said, Brad, welcome to the show. Excited to have you here. Thank you, Christian. I'm blushing just a little bit after that intro. Thank you. Honor, honor to be with you. Well, look, I think when we talk about stories, right, and stories are really what allow us to be able to communicate with people. We always want to know, how did you get into the customer experience journey space, the contact center space? Love to have our audience know, what's your story? So I had a perfect plan that I developed in college, and then I, I just went out and implemented <laughs> And if you believe that, I've got a, got a bridge to sell you, I think the saying goes. I, you know, I, I walked through doors, and I, I didn't know where they were leading at the time. But one of my first jobs, just a, just a quick story, is um, I ran cable for a company that provided business systems, so um, telecom and computer systems. And I spent a lot of my time underneath corporate buildings, um, hospitals. It was hard work. You know, this is underground, under these floors, flashlight on my head. Um, I had some very salty supervisors who who would uh, <laughs> tell me in no uncertain terms so I didn't do something right. It, but what they were saying is, hey, well, your work matters. You're becoming a, a part of this wired, you know, connected world that we're wireless today, right? This This connected world we're a part of. And something really got a hold of me. I, 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 I love that idea. I worked in and around different contact centers and met a person by the name of Gordon McPherson Jr. at a consulting conference. And we struck up a, a friendship, co-authored some articles together. I ended up becoming partners with him in the International Customer Management Institute. Um, this was over 30 years ago now. I'm dating myself a bit, but... We had a we had a chance to work together for about five years. Then he retired in the mid '90s, and uh, just an incredible opportunity to to learn from a true pioneer. I mean, Gordon set up some of the first contact centers in the world. Um, he was working with organizations around the world, and I just got on that on ramp. Um, and and with his help, had the opportunity to go into these 
you know, incredible organizations and work with their teams and, and just, you know, it was learning by, by fire hose, but it was just a tremendous opportunity. So I think the thing that really, um, after, after he retired, really opened doors is I wrote a book called call center management on fast forward. And we've kept it up to this day. It's in its fourth edition. Now it's now contact center management on fast forward. Uh, but I, I, um, we, we released that to the world in the mid nineties, I think it was 97. And that first edition opened doors beyond my wildest expectations. Um, so yeah, just kind of, what do you have to do in the next three hours? Do a good job with that. And that's, that's kind of been my, my approach. You know, it's interesting that when I find businesses that have gone to entrepreneurial route, and found to be self-employed or running their own company, there's always a story behind your first big client or that first client that kind of gave you that confidence to say, like, I can do this or, oh, wow, it's happening, right? Do you have any piece of that that you could share of what that journey looked like for you? Yeah, you know, there, there were a few and, and without mentioning specific company names, they were, they, they were um, over-engineering their contact centers. So I went in as a consultant. I'm in my 20s at the time. And, you know, do, do I have anything to share and, and provide here? And it didn't take a whole lot of deep analysis to see, you know, they had way too many agent groups set up. Uh, they were they were trying to handle, you know, they, were, they were dividing things out even back in the day by, by channels too granularly. Uh, and, and so simplification has been a theme for three decades now. It's very easy for the contact center to get messy and, and just way too, you, 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 we add things, we add metrics, we add agent groups. We don't go back and, and simplify and consolidate at the same level in, in many cases. So I had a few of those initial clients where we, we simplified their agent groups, we cleaned up their metrics a bit and things got better. I mean, like really quickly they got better. And, and that was exciting. It gave me a huge boost of confidence. And, and it, you know, it wasn't anything I came up with. It was just, you know, kind of some common sense. Hey, let's structure this in a, in a good way. Well, it's interesting because we hear a theme, you know, especially even in these last few seasons is, um, you know, going back to the basics, right? Going back to why you're doing something. And it's interesting that you state that there wasn't something you invented per se, but you kind of went in and said, hey, from the outsider looking in, this is overly complex. And that allowed you to see that going forward, there was an opportunity. So now obviously you have a global consulting firm. Um, talk to us a little bit about that. What What is it that you are really focused on today. What is it that companies come to you for? Give us some insight into that. Yeah, well, thanks for asking. You know, kind of the mainstay is consulting. So, uh, and I'm completely independent. You, you won't find as much as a coffee mug from a, a supplier. Um, that, that's been my calling card since day one, that I, I, I am completely independent. I'm completely focused on the end user. Um, so consulting is is something that, has been really the anchor over all these years and I'll work with organizations and I just take a handful every year. I'll work with organizations that really, really want to change. They want to do a great job. They want to want to do what they need to do to really reach their customers and serve them well and to, and to create a great environment for their employees. So, so that part's got to be a fit, but that's, that's always been a lot of fun. And I've had a chance to work with, you know, small startups and some large national governments and multinational uh, companies and the principle, the underlying principles are the same. 
uh, regardless of the industry and regardless of the size, you know, there's some things that play out differently, of course, but uh, the underlying principle is the same. So consulting, um, you do a lot of keynote speaking, uh, seminars and workshops is a, is a third area of focus. Uh, what, oh, LinkedIn learning courses, that's been a lot of fun. So LinkedIn learning reached out um, a handful of years ago and asked if I do a, a course on contact center management and, and then customer service leadership. And we've got, you know, I think 14 courses, 12 or 14 courses out there uh, now on different aspects of customer experience and, and customer service. A couple of them are, are contact center specific. So that's been a lot of fun, just a great organization. Uh, and, and I'm an advisor to ICMI, the organization that I had the privilege to to lead a CEO for, for many years and, and they've continued to roll out the red carpet and it's just a great team they have. And it's been a lot of fun to, to continue to, to advise them. And I'm honored to, honored to, you know, be asked to do so. Yeah. It's interesting how you've had different avenues to communicate with the world and audiences around, right? Some of it's in person, some of it's through LinkedIn specifically, others through seminars and otherwise. And so it almost, in your own way, you're finding how to make it easy for people to absorb and learn from you. And then vice versa, I'm sure you're learning a lot from all the people you work with. So, you know, with that in mind, you know, after all these years, has there been anything that's really stuck with you and guided you throughout your journey, even to it's true today? Yeah, that's a great question. And and you're right. I, I learn every engagement I, I'm learning. It really is a is a two-way street. And it's it's fun to see new angles and and see how things are applied in in different kinds of environments you know that's where the real challenge is right how do we apply this stuff and and seeing so many great leaders across this space and um, how they're navigating the, the challenges of the last few years you know I think the one to, to the question one thing that's really stood out is they value opportunity in these services you know they're and I always think of three levels of value not to get too you know, left brain about all this, but there's efficiency, there's customer loyalty, and there's strategic value. Like, what are we learning as we engage with customers that can help us improve products and services and processes? And that's where the contact center can really can become uh, a, a feed to a, a, a strategic source for customer experience. How are we improving services and products across the board? based on what we're learning in the contact center. So that's been a, that's been a theme for three decades. And, you know, the labels change and the, the, the emphasis can change over, over time, but uh, that, that's been a constant. You know, it's really neat that you broke it out that way. And the way that you structured it is saying, you know, left brain, you know, I think what's really great is conversation and that real human aspect, but also tangible outcomes, you know, tangible takeaways and being able to associate them to the so what, right? What do we yeah. do now? What's the outcome and how do we achieve that? And so you had uh, a, a, a great uh, discussion. I think it was a TED talk you were doing where you were talking about leveraging the always on environment. And you were talking about these three distinct things. And I'd love to kind of just dive in a little bit into that. Can you kind of just for the audience, uh, give us that high level piece of what you meant by how people and companies can leverage an always on environment. Yeah. Um, and I'll have to remember that, that, that talk myself, but there, you know, the, the idea is that there's so much coming at us 
And, and the talk was really for individuals, how in our personal worlds or, or businesses, really either one, but it wasn't context related so much. How, how do we manage this deluge of, of information coming at us, all the channels, all the you know, social media platforms we can all get entangled in? How, how do you manage that? And we have to be intentional. We, we have to know where we're going. You know, as, as a family, as a person, we've got to know what's important and, and make sure we're focusing on the right thing. So that was, that was really the, the gist of that talk. And it was a lot of, a lot of fun to put together. And it was one of those, um, speaking to myself talks, you know, like we've got to, got to be intentional today. You can't, you can't react. If you do, it just doesn't work. And I don't care if you're premier or president of a country or if you're, uh, you know, a, a teenager trying to grapple with everything coming at you, 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 you've got to, got to know where you're going and got to dial in your values. Yeah. You know, it's great to use the term focus, right? Cause you were talking about how focus was a choice, right? And I find that a lot of businesses will just move to the shiny objects. You were talking about earlier about, you know, implementing all these work groups and silos and just the next thing. And a lot of times when we look at that step back and we look at the customer journey, right? It's not a bunch of silos, right? It's a intentional reason to get you from one thing to the next to the next. And if you don't, then there's friction, there's challenges. And it was interesting. You kind of gave a breakdown of, uh, you know, you getting your flight license, I think it was, and all these distractions that were happening. But then you had to focus on one in particular thing. You had to make the decision to focus on that. Have you seen that companies have challenges with focusing on something, making that decision to focus? Are they fragmented? What have you seen or do you advise when you see uh, people, leaders or otherwise, not focusing and they're just doing a lot of everything? Yeah, and well, that's such a great question. And there's, there's, there's no bad guy in these efforts. There's just, uh, we, we run into things like, I was in an organization a while back that had three different voice of the customer programs like, do you guys have a voice of the customer program? Like, yeah, I think we've got three. One in marketing, they're listening. One in IT and one in the customer service area. That's too, too many. You know, we need one and we need a cross-functional team to really dial in that one unified overall effort. So focus is huge. And there are a lot of shiny objects out there. And we talk about you know the the developments and capabilities and in, in technology and what this company's doing with their processes or what that company's doing with their culture or whatever. You can get pulled in all these different directions. You've got to start with where do you want to go as an organization? You know, how are you how are you gonna make a dent in the world? How can you be uniquely you and then align everybody around that uh, and, and everything you're doing? And and it's easy easier to say than do, but it is a leadership responsibility. And when we do, you know, when we really have that focus, it's, it's so powerful. Running a contact center these days takes a great deal of courage and fortitude. Nobel Biz would like to salute the contact center community for not giving up and working hard to drive their businesses down the road to success. As the promise keepers of the industry, our goal was to provide one of the most versatile and cost-efficient omni-channel solutions on the market. Nobel Biz Omni Plus is a cloud contact center software that gives instant access to a full range selection of channels from voice calls, two-way SMS, email, WhatsApp, Twitter, Telegram, among others. Our solution offers complete control over the externalities by switching from an on-premise technology 
to a cloud-based solution in just a matter of hours. Get integrated compliance support, advanced reporting, seamless agent and supervisor dashboards, and many more performance-enhancing capabilities, all in just one product. Nobel Biz OmniPlus, the future-proof solution for scaling contact center operations. Learn more about Nobel Biz OmniPlus at www.nobelbiz.com. Yeah, and it's interesting. Earlier, you stated the the term simplifying or being, you know, to simplify something. And I find that you know, in the in the journey to try to provide something better or different, sometimes we miss the things that are right in front of us. There's sometimes a simple answer, and we make them overly complex. And I don't know why that is, to be honest, right? But when we sit back and we go, oh, well, that's all it was, or that was simple, right? It, it almost takes us from surprise. And we're just, why did that happen that way? Have you seen when it comes to simplifying, why is it so challenging for businesses and people to just simplify stuff? I mean, I'm not saying you have a magic wand to solve that, but do you see any common themes of why that is? Well, I I feel the answer largely goes back to having everybody involved in innovation. So I'm smiling when you, when you talk about you know simplifying. I, there's a story of two space programs in two different countries that have the same challenge. Pens don't write upside down. So in zero gravity, they were finding they couldn't they couldn't use the pens. So one program spent millions of dollars and developed a pen that can write in zero gravity. Took months, millions of dollars, boom, they got there. The pen works. The other program switched to pencils. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say that. <laughs> right? And, and uh, so back to innovation, we need, we need everybody's insight. You know, we used to have a, you think of labs and, and folks in, in coats, you know, lab coats coming up with innovative new ideas. And, and we, we need, we, we need a team to, to help corral and, and manage and, and implement the ideas. But everybody, you know, the most innovative companies have, have a culture where everybody's a part of innovation. Someone might come up with a pencil idea that nobody else thought of. So, and, and your newest employees, and I see this in contact centers all the time. I'll, I'll hear, I'll hear managers and, and, and leaders say, you know, I'm, but between you and me and the gatepost, I'm a little, I'm a little nervous. I don't understand the technology real well. And they brought me in because I, I had some wins in other areas, but I, I really, I mean, there is so much to understand here and, and learn. I'm like, perfect. You've got the perfect perspective. You know, what's going to simplify and create a better environment for your customers? What's going to simplify and create a better environment for your, for your employees? Ask the basic questions. So, and, and build a culture where your newest employees, they, they, the, the person who's brand new to the work world, let alone contact centers, can ask those, those basic questions. I, I was sitting with someone the other day. They're like, if we could take the information from this screen and populate these fields, it'd be so much easier. Is there a tool that can do? Well, I, I bet there is. I, I bet you, I bet you've got some tools that could automatically do that for you. And you're seeing that. Everybody else has just been in it for so long. No one's thinking thinking of that. Um, and I hear that sort of theme all the time. So 100% innovation with a a focus on how do we make things easier and simpler. Yeah, and it was interesting that you said around, you know, the, the person with the outsider's perspective, but not outsider in the sense of, you know, not just the contact center, but maybe just the fact that they're new. 
when you're learning, right, you go in and something's new to you and you go in and learn. Some of it's intuitive. Some of it you got to really create that muscle memory and build that up. But it's funny how you state where you get someone's perspective from the outside who's not entrenched in the details and they've already been kind of overwhelmed with the reality of they know too much. And that's why it's hard to see to the other end how to make it easy. And someone will come in and they say, well, why don't you just do this, like the pencil thing? Right? And you just go, oh, well, <laughs> I guess we can shift to that. And I think that's really important. And, you know, change is never easy. And obviously, when we talk about the fast evolving adoption of technology, the customer experience changing because the customer's demanding uh, something different, how they want to be met, where and how. Um, what are you seeing from the business, right? When you're doing the training, the videos, and you're talking to people in person and so on and so forth, what are you seeing as resonating with being able to say, okay, here's how the people you work with learn best over time, meaning you started I'm sure you had some form of teaching and educating. Did it work and you've always just kind of done that and it's been great? Or did you evolve over time and say, hey, you know, I got to meet my customer differently because they're not getting it or they're not getting it as well as I'd like to. Any insight into the training and education aspect of it? Yeah, well, I, you know, I probably bumbled along more than have been as intentional as I could, but um, I, I have tried to listen and different organizations have said, we, we you know, we need yeah, I, I, the book "Leaving the Customer Experience" covers ten pillars of of customer experience, and some organizations want a four hour, you know, half day version of that. Um, others want their teams to read the book, and they have lunch and learns where they where they uh, explore different topics as they go along. Others want the one hour, you know, less than one hour LinkedIn version. So I've kind of seen how they've used this. I have one organization. Um, American Express back in the day that they did a, um, a 45 site um, workshop where, you know, we got everybody together, all the, the entire leadership team in their, in their customer service area uh, and, and went through some principles of planning and customer access strategy and, and all that, that was right for them. They wanted everybody in one place at one time for some of them it was middle of the night uh, but they wanted wanted that opportunity to have that that common platform and everybody to hear the same thing. You know, most will have recordings or do that in in a you know different sessions over time. It really it really depends on what's best for your team. You know, what's your workload? How do they like to learn? I think multiple channels, just like like we say with contact center channels for our customers, give them choices and how they can consume the you know the the information you want them to have. You know, it's great that we got to that that piece of knowing your customer, <laughs> because what you've done is over time, you've realized that there's not one size fits all. It's not just convenient for you, Brad. I'm going to go out. And I'm just going to do one book and that's going to solve everyone's problem. Right. Is you realized very quickly that there are going to be businesses that require something different for their needs. And you found a couple different or several different approaches to how do you meet them, where they need to be met and how they want to ingest that. I think that translates very well into the contact center space because it's not just, hey, I only want to offer chat and that's the only way you're going to do business with me. Well, sure. If you have only people that want to engage with you via chat, then that makes sense. So let's kind of shift a little bit over to you know things that we find really important in organizations and that we talk about a lot, right? These big buzzwords around mission and vision and values. Do you feel that either one of those or any one of those are more important than the other? And if so, what is it? Otherwise, what is the impact to a business that maybe doesn't have a 
define mission, vision, or values? You know, I used to give less attention to and really lend less importance to mission and vision than I than I do now. It is so important. And I've seen and I've seen better visions, better missions really help turn ships that where they had teams going off in different directions. So mission and vision are so important. And I look for three things. Are they focused on the customer? Um, do they uniquely describe what we do uh, to, to meet them where they need to be met? Uh, and, and what's the outcome? So REI has got a, got a vision. I don't have it in front of me. I'm, I'm going to get it a little bit wrong, but you know, we, we uh, want to inspire, educate, and outfit uh, our customers to enjoy a lifetime of outdoor adventure and stewardship. I think that's pretty close to their, their vision. <laughs> Sounds pretty, about right. Yeah, that, that's pretty that's pretty cool, right? I mean, I can be a new employee and I've got a pretty good idea that we inspire, educate, and outfit. Um, why? Uh, to enable our customers to enjoy a lifetime of outdoor adventure and stewardship. So that, that can align a lot of, of, of decisions and initiatives in, in the organization. Just one more uh, to mention, Services Australia, the federal government in Australia, uh, they they used to have a mission around you know we want to deliver world class services something like that no, no one understood it no one no one knew what that meant their their vision now is that we want to um, create a simplified experience so that our our constituents our our customers can get on with their lives love that make it simple and easy for them so they can get on with their lives they have to engage with us we're we're government so uh, we we have to be there for some uh, you know for some key services but let's make it easy on them and it's really helped focus everything from individual coaching sessions to you know larger technology initiatives like authentication efforts where let's you know voice biometrics a, a customer's voice can get them right into the system and pull up information and you know, route the contact if necessary. So vision's super important. And, and I've learned that over, over the years. I, again, don't make the mistake I did in my early years and just not, oh yeah, it's kind of fluffy vision. Let's get on to things that, you know, are, are crunchier. No, it's super important. And it lends that direction to the, you know, the crunchy things we need to do to support it. Yeah, I love that because for a long time, right? Vision was almost this like page on your website. It was this like footnote piece at the beginning of a document or something. But it really, even just for our company, you know, we look at it and we're made up of people, right? And people have to have a purpose or a reason to do something. If you want to start to tap into them engaging more, doing more versus less. And when you look at that and you see that people are empowered to be able to do more or they're embracing the mission and the vision of the company, um, I think it translates into a better outcome for the business and for the end customer, whether it's a product or service that you deliver, and especially when we talk about the contact center space, right, is even in the world of self-service and AI and everything, there's still these complex conversations. There's still a point in which at some point a human interaction has to happen. And when that person is able to embrace and understand where their role is in making that vision real, uh, I think it's going to really turn the ship for a lot of companies and allows them to not just have it as a, a little thing that is a side note. So it's great to hear. Yeah. And, yeah. You know, I would Christian throw in one more thing, one more thought too. If, you know, yeah. if someone's sitting there and thinking, well, our company vision isn't that great. Um, or it's just kind of, 
kind of up here and how do we apply it? It's fine to have a vision and mission for, for your team and even for you as an individual. Like I'll go into, I'll go into organizations and, and a, a team leader getting exceptional results. I'll ask, what, what are they doing differently? Oh yeah, that's, that's Amy's team. A, Amy's got the A team, you know, the, the, or, or the special ops and, and, and they've, they've got this camaraderie around what their part of the, of the vision and mission is. So you, you'll hear, you'll hear folks warn against having multiple visions and missions. And certainly we don't want them to be different in how they play out, but it's fine to have a supporting mission and vision. I, I do individually, like going into a um, workshop or a keynote or something like that for years, I, I I'd get nervous and that's all healthy and probably just a part of the freight, but uh, is this going to go like I want it to go? Are they going to get out of it what they need to get out of it? And, and it just hit me one day. Don't worry about all that. You know, you are here to serve. And I actually wrote it down. I, I got this uh, scrap piece of uh, hotel uh, uh, card stock that I wrote this down on. I've carried it around since then. I look at it. You are here to serve. Um, all, all this great stuff about, you know, customer um, experience and enabling organizations to thrive. All that's great. And I, I've got to work on that every day. But that morning in front of that group, I'm there to serve. If I focus on that, it all rolls up to, you know, something that hopefully is helpful. Yeah, no, I love the fact that you simplified it to something very core to what you're trying to do for others, right? And then that translates into the other things, right? If you're trying to help with customer experience or retention or whatever it may be, you know, are you serving right now? Are you there to serve? And, you know, like for us, ours is promise keeping, right? So every time we oh, come back, wow. say, are we, are we being promise keepers, right? And that can extend to other things as well, which is not just make a promise, keep a promise is part of being an expert in X or Y basically means are you educating yourself? Are you always being a student? Are you always trying to make sure that that thing that you want to give out into the world, that you are keeping up with it, that you are providing things that are relevant to people? So it's great to see that you have something that resonates really deeply with the way we approach stuff. And so it's great to see that um, you've been so successful in that. Now, promise keeping is great. Love that. Yeah. I mean, um, I, Steve Biederman, our, our, our president, uh, brought that to our company. And so we've been very fortunate to have uh, embraced something that's so impactful. And it's uh, always good to see when leaders come in, whether they're the head of the company or otherwise, uh, even the groups like you're talking about where they have the A team, where they take it upon themselves to say this, this is what's going to take us to that next level. And then you have groups around them that just surround them and say, let's do it. And they buy in and you can see great things happen. Um, with that said, of course, though, you know, one of the things that um, I've seen is this idea um, that's been brought up uh, around the new era of customer experience, right? How are you seeing exactly how companies are adapting to this concept? Uh, great question. So everything has been put on fast forward and it's on the heels uh, in the last couple of years. It's on the heels of these incredible technology disruptions that have come along. You know, the, the web browser brought the internet to everybody and our, our, our businesses uh, the way we do things in the 90s and by the year 2000, we're all using it, we changed the game and smartphones come along in 2007 and 8. By 2010, we're all carrying those devices around in our pockets and purses and more recently, the cloud and AI and just you know, machine learning, all, all these tools 
are, are incredible disruptions, but together they got accelerated by, by COVID. I remember talking to the senior VP of an insurance company in February of 2020, which seems like an eternity ago now. Uh, but I was supposed to fly out and do a workshop for their team in person. And, and he's like, Brad, we've got these aggressive plans to move 30% of our workforce to maybe it's 20% to, to home over the next couple of years. Maybe it's three years, something like that. We're, we're going to get there and, and uh, it's aggressive, but we're going to get there. And, and COVID tumbled the world and I caught up with him in April. We ended up doing the session virtually, but I'm like, how'd that, how'd that plan go? He's like, yeah, make that a hundred percent. And two weeks flat, you know, we, we, it was a heavy lift, but my goodness, we, we did it. And the exhaustion level is high, but the confidence level is really high right now. Like I'm hearing in a lot of different executive boardrooms, we did, we got through these last few years. What's next now? We've got some bailing wire and chewing gum, holding things together. What do we need to do to get there? So there's a lot of focus on customer access strategy, um, which sounds like consultants speak, but they're, they're the 10 components or, you know, we write about them in the book and, and, um, write about them in the, in context center management and fast forward as, as well. That, that book, they're so essential. So who are our customers? What issues would, would come up in, in their world? Uh, what channels would make sense for them in what kind of environment? What kind of engagement? You just go through these 10. It takes some work, but then you've got a plan. That makes sense. So, so the, the new, the, the principles of the new era of customer experience aren't dramatically different from the past. They just really are on fast forward. And we really do need to roll up our sleeves and do the, you know, the hard yards to make sure we're, we're, we're ready for it and creating experiences that work for them. You know, what's so true of what you said is you even simplified the idea of the approach to adopting this change that is demanding of you, right? Whether it was COVID and it was in two weeks or whether it's the, the technology has changed in a way where now people can get information faster, they're more informed, their expectations of timeliness and responses that much more uh, strict. And so you've gone back and you said, okay, here are the 10 things, but you've even said simpler than that is you gotta stop for a minute and you have to document what you're trying to achieve and why you're trying to achieve it. Because then otherwise, all the other stuff is just noise and effort and time and people that if not done right, it's wasted or worse, it's wasted and you create a bad experience for people. You upset them and you end up creating this friction that you didn't have to in the first place, which translates into now, right? We're talking about this idea of personalization, right? Everybody is unique, but everybody does have some overarching themes of what they want from something, right? They want something maybe fast. They want it well built. They want quality when they have an issue that they can get it resolved and someone's knowledgeable, you can go down things that are probably pretty uniform, but then in the end, it's like, but me, I, I want to be unique in the fact that I want these things this way. And some companies have this broad brush, right? Uh, saying, well, everybody who goes through the phone gets treated this way, everyone through chat this way and so on and so forth. And so as we get to personalization and that customer experience, um, I understand that there may be even three levels around personalization, how it can be executed. Uh, can you give some insight into that approach and that dynamic? Yeah, so personalization really needs to come from our customer access strategy, who who are, are and, and, and to get away from the broad brushstrokes you, you just described, what's your 
we know they're not going to work for everybody. So who are our customers and get as granular as you need to um, about who they are and what their needs would be. And then if you've got, um, if you really focus on intake in a contact center, like authentication, identifying who that customer is, the sky's the limit. So just to use a simple example, I fly a couple of airlines a lot. They both answer me by, it's a system, answer me by name. One is Brad and the other is Bradley. Brad, Bradley makes me feel like I'm in trouble, but uh, <laughs> so I like Brad a little better, but, um, but, but it's pretty cool. They can, they can pull up, you know, my information, my itineraries, uh, get me to a person that would, you know, an agent group that would make sense, uh, offer channels that would make sense, self-service options. If we know who the customer is, we can be as proactive as we need to about next steps. So, so there's there's that, and there's just, you know, there's different levels, different ways to define how to personalize, but it, it should all flow from the customer access strategy. Who who are our customers, and what needs uh, do 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 they have? It's not um, it, it's not in rocket science to use the cliche. You know, if we if we know who are if the, if a customer were to walk in. Just if you were to walk into my organization right now, hey, how's it going, Christian? You know, we'd, we'd, th that would lead us to, you know, something that makes sense. If, if, an, if a customer were to walk into your organization right now um, and they, they, they need to file a claim, they need information on uh, something that's, that's broken, they're, they're confused on a, a you know, self-service option, they want to buy something, how would you treat them? That's customer access, and, and that lends itself to personalization and how we would listen to the voice of the customer and everything else that falls under that. A famous African proverb says that if you want to go fast, go alone. But if you want to go far, go together. At Nobel Biz, we have made it our mission to travel far and wide with our partners and clients. As a complete telecom services provider with over 20 years of experience in the industry, Nobel Biz offers the only voice carrier network designed with the sole purpose of serving call centers around the world. This contact center dedicated carrier network provides crystal clear voice traffic, up-to-date compliance tools, intelligent routing, and highly secure data protocols combined with 99.9% .9 uptime and easy setup. Our goal for 2022 is to become the ultimate partner and provider for the contact center industry by placing service quality at the top of our priority list. To top it off, at Nobel Biz, we have the most competitive cost per minute model in the industry. Need proof? Reach out to us and learn more about the Nobel Biz Voice Carrier Network at www.nobelbiz.com. You know, I love the fact that you said Brad versus Bradley, and you're like, Bradley, I feel like I got in trouble. Brad feels like I know the person and so on and so forth. And it's, I'm starting to see certain brands that I interact with. Um, when you complete your profile, there's a preferred name section, yeah. right? And for them to actually translate the preferred name, assuming it gets filled out, right, in the right way, I think can accomplish a lot of what you're talking about is that you create that more uh, familiar interaction and it diffuses it a little bit where it's like, hey, I'm a friend, I'm here to help. Let's see what we can do together. Let's engage versus, you know, if it's overly formal, and I'm not saying there's times when you shouldn't be formal, but it, it, if you know your customer, that kind of leads to that other pieces. What does it mean to know your customer, right? Companies yeah. will say, well, knowing my customer knows, I know, I know this, their age, their name, their address, you know, I need these very transactional things. 
But then you take it a step further and say, knowing my customer may be how often they buy, what they buy, whether they return things, how do they engage with me? Do they engage in happy things via social media and upset things via a phone call? You know, what is it that they do and what does that journey look like? And being able to do it from cradle to grave, or obviously, hopefully not grave if they're, you know, reoccurring revenue or some other lifetime value uh, attribute you want to get to someone that wants to keep buying from you. Um, being able to go in there and see what it is that that the changes you've made, if it actually impacts that journey for them and if you really are making it personal. So asking your customers, probably pretty darn important. It sounds like you've done a lot about that. Any well, thoughts? And how you just and how you just describe that is is perfect. I mean, there's a lot of wisdom in all the variables you just mentioned, and and how we really would best understand our customers beyond the transactional information. So, yeah, uh, very much what you just described, and it's it's fun to do that. How do, how do we get to know our customers better? You know, this is a fun part of customer service because it really does lend it, it prepare us to serve them where they need to be served and, and to connect as, as we can. Well, I think then that becomes really the basis of the old thought of a contact center is really a cost center. It's just a cost of doing business. But then when you can leverage everything you've just stated that you put in your books and you educate people on, then you can stop looking at it as a cost center and start looking at it as, you know, any other thing that improves revenue, increases customer satisfaction, everything from lifetime value and so on and so forth. Because then in the end, um, when you look at it from that perspective, it is fun. It is fun. It's not just this checkbox. It's like, yep, I've filled out the thing and I know my customers. Like, no, you don't. Because <laughs> yeah. then you wouldn't have all the things that maybe people say are improvements or complaints, unfortunately, if you have, you know, issues with that. Um, one of the things that I wanted to talk about is, you know, that close, the idea of closed loop feedback, right? Um, and I know we've, uh, you know, in the past and other conversations elsewhere, we've talked about how, you know, educating people um, and having information about why people engage with you, give you information or even complete surveys uh, is going to help with, let's say, getting improved responses and uh, response rates and things of that nature. What are your thoughts on that concept, that idea, but also just the idea of getting improvements in that closed loop feedback? Yeah, interesting you ask. I was just having a um, conversation the other day with uh, one of the producers at LinkedIn, and we're looking at uh, the the course. We've got a course out there managing customer feedback, and it's this process and approach, and how is it changing? And we we did a a review of the course. has been out there for a while, and it's not really not. The principles aren't. Um, we we need to cast a wide net of listening. Surveys is is one. Um, important aspect of listening, but certainly not the only. And customers are so over-surveyed. You know, we've, we've got to use the yeah. full breadth of, of options we've got to listen. So um, operational data, certainly hearing from our employees. Um, you know, you can traditional things like focus groups, uh, social media, product and service reviews, what employees are saying about us, uh, the, all of that. Uh, really creates a, a powerful set of, of, of you know, really it's, it, it's input and, and a set of data that we can bring to life and make it meaningful if we tag it and use it. So, and closed loop is an important part of that, not just for customers, but employees who are offering innovation ideas and they're, they're giving their, their feedback. So, 
um, anywhere we can anywhere we can circle back and and not only act on what we're getting, uh, but show that we're using that information uh, is a very powerful part of that whole process. Oh, that's huge. Don't you hate it when you get surveys and it feels like they never even listen to one thing you said? And, and like, I'm going to fill out the next one after, after yeah, feeling that way, right? Point. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and I think you're right. Surveys are overused, but I think a lot of times um, people don't really know what they're used for, what the outcome is, that anything was ever done as a byproduct of it. And, and I think that's where it becomes a challenge is people's time, which is a finite resource. They're not going to spend it on something. If they don't know what's in it for them, why they're going to yeah. do it. Um, with that said, I know we have, you know, a lot of trends we're starting to see. When we look at 2023, what trends do you think, whether it's operational, customer experience, technology, are you seeing some big things that you're excited for or just saying, wow, this is something to look out for? Yeah, so my answer is a little different than than the answers I hear coming from from others. Not that it's any more correct, uh, maybe just rounds things out. But you'll if you ask that question of a lot of industry pundits right now, you hear things around conversational AI and machine learning and you know omni-channel and all that. I feel like those are supporting aspects of some trends that are that are even more important. And and one is really get into the value of the contact center. You know, where are we going to use AI? Where are we going to focus our training efforts? Where are we, where are we going to roll out and, and maintain this or that channel? Um, or with some organizations, reduce focus on some channels and to really emphasize others. All those questions are supporting to what's the value of the contact center? And so that's a trend I'm seeing, you know, like it, just in, in these discussions in boardrooms and, and, and workshops, like, hey, hold the phones for a moment and let's talk about why we're doing all this. And that's a trend that's, to me, very exciting because that's going to set the right tone and, and give the right guidance. You know, back to that discussion on vision and values, it's going to help set the, the right direction for everything. Um, so that's a trend I'm seeing. A supporting trend is work around the customer access strategy. Who who are our customers? What needs do they have? What channels do we roll out? What hours of operation? What agent groups and level of technical proficiency and and, and experience and all of that are we enabling enabling them to reach around their their needs and expectations? Just a lot of roll up the sleeves work around the customer access strategy. And again, that then lends direction to decisions we're making around the tools and technologies and all that. Certainly some really innovative things happening in those areas. And those are important answers in all this, but get, get the big stuff right. And, and those things tend to make a lot more sense. Yeah. I mean, all of them in, in some sense or another are tools, right? But to, to use the right tool in the right way, you also have to know what you're trying to build. And why you're trying to build it and so on and so forth. And so I think that leads back to our discussions earlier around, you know, uh, slowing down, make it simple, which is first, why am I doing this right before I just start going, spending money and hours. But, you know, you can't really manage easily things that you can't measure. And you've had a LinkedIn, you know, course on metrics for service operations. What do you think are some of the most essential things a company really needs to focus on when it does come to metrics when you get to that point? Yeah, well, m metrics are a fun conversation. We, you know, in a lot of organizations, if you were to print out what they're ma measuring and following, you could cover a small parking lot. You know, they're just trying to look at too much. So, 
the theme with metrics is the theme with so many things. You'll simplify and make sure you're focusing on the right things. There are seven, um, and they're on my website. I'll, I'll go through them really quickly here for our, our time's purpose, but um, we encourage you to explore them more deeply. The first, and, and they're foundational to more strategic. So forecast is one. And people look at me sideways. When I mentioned forecasting as a as a metric and as, as one of seven metrics. Are you kidding? That sounds so operational. Hey, you try to manage an environment where you don't know what's coming through the door. You know, what, what's coming through the door, metaphorically speaking. Um, we've, we've got to have a good forecast. We've got to have schedule, uh, a schedule fit to it. We've got to have resources that match. Um, so workload, resources to meet it. A third out of seven then is service level. Um, service level and response time. Are customers getting to where they need to go? Um, and, and some will point out, well, that's not near as important as quality. What actually, yeah, that's apples to oranges though. Quality can't happen unless they get somewhere, you know, unless they re reach the resource they need. So service level uh, and response time. Quality's fourth up the list. Again, we're getting higher level, more strategic. A fifth would be uh, employee engagement, such a leading indicator, so important. It's not going to happen if we don't have those foundational things in place. It's a mess that, that no one wants to be part of. Um, customer engagement and loyalty would be six and strategic value. What are we learning that can help us improve products and services in an organization? So very quick tour of the seven that we like to... Uh, underscore and emphasize and look for in organizations. And if, if there are gaps, they're generally huge opportunities. Yeah. Now, obviously, anybody who wants to know more about that, they can engage with you. They can learn more from your services and books and everything else. But, you know, for the, the time we have today, I mean, it's great that we we're able to go through those seven and each of them could be a whole conversation in themselves. But, you know, with that being the basis of, you know, what people are doing and let's say they adopt those things. What are you finding now and going forward are just going to be the biggest challenges or the biggest challenge that contact centers are dealing with at the moment? Well, right now it's, it's what I call blocking and tackling, you know, it's getting the right resources in the right place at the right time, doing the right thing. And you'll hear, you know, the, the great resignation and, and quiet quitting, which is the silliest term we've ever come up with. Uh, but you know, there, there's, there's a lot of, challenge right now just around getting the right resources in place at the right time. I'm not seeing the great resignation uh, and certainly disengagement, if that's what we mean by quiet quit. I'm not, I'm not seeing that play out the same in different organizations. I, I'm, I'm seeing some just have a heyday right now and attracting the the kind of talent they need because they've got empowered environments. And back, you mentioned the word purpose. That is the number one issue for any of us in our, our work worlds. Do we have a a purpose that we know we're making a difference. Some organizations are not choosing to participate in the great resignation. You know, there, and there's no finger pointing in this. If you're listening and you've got a challenge with, with uh, turnover and that sort of thing, you're not alone. And uh, it's an opportunity for us though. Um, so, so that's, that's a challenge right now. Um, and, and I think the other challenge is just a, in a, a context in our environment around this whole buzz term omni-channel. You know, we've got a lot of ways for, for customers to reach us. How do we put that all together and make it elegant and simple and, and intuitive for them? You know, it's funny that you mentioned omni-channel because I was just gonna bring up that topic. We had slightly discussed the concept of it earlier, but 
we've been talking about omnichannel forever. <laughs> it's yeah. nothing new, right? But have you seen companies during the pandemic going forward when this the rules were broken, right? You were just like, I don't have a choice. I have to change. Did you see businesses finally start to adopt it differently or better than they did in the past? Or do you think it's still just a continuation of some do it okay, some do it well, some not at all? What are you seeing when it comes to from the pandemic's perspective to now going forward around companies actually what we'll call implementing and using a real <laughs> omnichannel experience? Yeah. It's a really good question. I, I think I think there's been there's been some learnings that haven't entirely translated yet to customers yet and what they experience. But um, COVID forced a lot of organizations to adapt very quickly, and 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 they many threw self service options in place. And if we can offload ten percent of our workload through these chat applications, um, that that'd be great. What it f did though was force them to have an exit out of those self-service capabilities. We still, we're, we're gonna we're gonna cause incredible frustration if customers can't move beyond that and reach the resources they need. So I think that whole experience taught a lot of, of managers and leaders in contact centers that we've gotta think not in, in terms of channels, but in terms of, of uh, how they work together, in terms of that journey through channels. Um, we're not there yet in, in many contact centers, you know, there's work to be done, but I'm excited about the improvements that I'm seeing. And, and again, this sounds like a broken record, but start with your customer access strategy and think in terms of a customer's progression through what they might need. You know, they start out in search or your website or, or an app and, and what happens beyond that? What channels are involved? What information do you pull up? Um, what channels would work side by side, you know, maybe video, sharing a screen, you, you know, what does that look like ideally? And, and that's leading us to more robust, you know, what we can truly consider omni-channel environments. Yeah, I think you're spot on when you talk about how each of these channels, you know, they're treated as like individual moments in time, silos, even, even teams of who's working with the customer in that moment. And there's not this stop to look at how is the use of all these things as part of a holistic journey, right? Whether it's a transaction or the overall experience of an ongoing relationship, how does it actually support the customer feeling that this is easy, this is simple, this is less friction, this is better versus, well, this is better for my cost or this is better for my staffing or this is better for my work groups and my management approach or whatever that may be. But when it comes to the pandemic back, you know, let's flip it to the other side. Has the customer experience from uh, a behavior, has the customer's behavior changed since the pandemic or even their expectations? Or is it still kind of just been a blip on the radar and it'll go back to the way it was before? I think there, I think we're going to see some changes that uh, have taken hold that aren't, you know, we're never going back. There was a lot of margin for a while um, in in customer expectations that a eight, eight hour waits to get through to your airline, for example, um, and through you know twenty twenty one that wasn't uncommon uh, with mainline carriers. And yeah, it's busy. It's a weird time. We got we 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 got some grace from customers. I think now. Um, we're not only beyond that, but customers are, are, are experiencing a wide range of 
experiences with different organizations and they're kind of getting getting through their you know their their thought process the idea that, that we we can do things differently you know there there are real decisions we're making behind the scenes that impact them and and I think they're going to reward and are uh the organizations that that treat them well uh the co you know we're beyond the last few years we we need to move on um, so it's time to get service levels where they need to be. It's time to create those those omni-channel experiences that really work for customers. So I think the expectations are are, are going to go up, but I, I think there's going to be an even greater sort of awareness on the customer side that the, these are intentional decisions we're making. So they go not just, oh, that was a great experience or that was a, not a great experience. Uh, they're they're going to they're they're going to have some ideas about our brand and our values based on how we're treating them. And maybe that's always been the case, but it certainly is now. So great conversation, a lot of great content. Obviously, we're at the end of our slot. I want to just finish off with a couple personal pieces, right? Uh, from your perspective, it sounds like, um, you know, the end of the year for 2022, going into 2023, moving forward, um, any plans, any personal things from you that you've learned that you just said, you know, this is impacting my personal life, being able to say like, hey, this is how I take it forward as a learning opportunity or learning moment? Oh, yeah. Um, that's a fun question. I, I, I appreciate it. I, I'd start with that century old, you know, wise counsel that, you know, Lord willing, we'll do this or that, you know, this year. None, none of us know exactly what what tomorrow holds, but we've got the gift of today and I've, I've got a uh, trips to Dubai and Spain um, in the works. Some some exciting you know conferences there. Um, there's a couple more LinkedIn courses and one on contact center leadership. I've got one in customer experience and customer service leadership. This is even more granular. LinkedIn Learning reached out and 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 we recorded it recently. And it takes a few months to get everything in place then and launch it. But that'll be. Um, available in, in first quarter of 2023. So I'm really excited about uh, that course. Um, and you know, some ICMI conferences and events that are that are on the docket. And I've got a, a an update of contact center management on fast forward, which is it's um, it's in its fourth edition. The fifth edition we're looking at, at 2024 for, which is uh, not so far down the road. It's an appalling idea, but wow, time is is moving. So um, all of that goes back to that little scrap of paper. You're here to serve. And, you know, what does that mean for me this morning? I, I just have to remind myself that you know, you've got today and and do what you can to, to be helpful. So with that in mind, how do you find a work-life balance? What do you do to disconnect, to de-stress something when you're not serving others, that, but you're serving yourself? I love uh, I love flying. You mentioned you mentioned that I I don't get out a whole lot these days. I'm generally a passenger with others, um, but I I love the aviation in general, and that's fun. Um, I, I just taking walks with Kirsten. Um, we've, we've been married for thirty four years now. She's my number one go to as a confidant, mentor, and wise counsel, and just taking walks, taking a run. You know. Just reading by the fire, <laughs> pretty. It all sounds pretty simple. Well, stopping and doing it, making time for yourself, is the hard part. It's not the fact that there are things you enjoy, and it's great to hear that you got some of those. So, look, um, 
there's going to be people that want to get a hold of you. They want to understand how to connect with you. How best can they connect with you and your business? Yeah. So um, any way that you would like, uh, bradcleveland.com is the website. And there's a, you go to the contacts page, there's you know, LinkedIn, uh, e my emails there, just however you'd want to reach me. I'd love to you know, love to hear from anyone who um, would like to, to reach out and make a connection. Perfect. Well, that's been a great conversation, great time. Hopefully the audience, you've loved it. This is the finish of this episode for First Contact Stories of the Call Center. Catch you next time. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thank you for joining me in this episode. If you're loving the content, make sure to hit that subscribe button on your YouTube channel for exclusive clips, webinars, workshops, and bonus materials. And if you're an Apple iTunes listener, we greatly appreciate a five-star rating and review to help spread the word. On our YouTube page, you can also leave us feedback, comments, and suggest future guests that you'd like to hear from. For even more valuable insights and information on the call center world, visit nobelbiz.com and access our on-demand webinars. I'm Christian Montez, and thank you for tuning in to another episode of First Contact Podcast. Stay with us for the next exciting chapter.